Hello everyone. I want to preface that before this episode starts, I recorded this on my phone in the kitchen. So there might be a little bit of an echo. There might be some times where you can't really hear us or maybe the audio is not that great. But bear with me and please listen to the end because it is such a great episode. So let's dive in. Hi everyone. Welcome to the Power Pod. A space to elevate your life and help you feel more powerful. My name is Alexa, and I am the host of this podcast and best-selling author of Power to Persevere. My goal is to help you improve your life through wellness tips and motivation, and support you on your journey through life. Make sure you stay tuned for new episodes weekly. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the pod. I have a special, special guest here today. Her name is Joanne. She was my neighbor and (laughs) she told me a little bit about her story and I was like, oh my gosh, Joanne, you have to come on my podcast. You are a wealth of knowledge and also just an amazing soul who has tapped into her spirituality on such a deep level and I knew her wisdom had to be shared with everyone else. So she's going to go through a little bit about the medical system especially here in America, holistic health, how to love yourself, how to be guided by your intuition and spirituality. And she's also going to give a little bit of guidance for healthcare practitioners out there. If you're listening to this and you're a healthcare practitioner, make sure you listen to the end because this episode is for you. So Joanne, I'm going to let you take it away. Well, thanks for having me on my first podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm very excited. We've been on... You've been on many more. Oh, well, I've been on TVs. I've had a TV show, and I've been on the radio, and et cetera, et cetera. But this is my first podcast. Okay. (laughs) So in in the 20 minutes of rapid conversation you and I dug into the other day out of nowhere, um, you know, I got an idea of the the miraculous journey that you've taken recently and, and, you know, pondered about what my contribution to your listeners would be. So I guess I want to talk a little bit about the history of healing integration. But let, before you start that, tell us a little bit about yourself and how, how you, who you are, how you got started within the health space, um, what led you to become a nurse for everyone listening. Joanne used to be a nurse and then she actually worked in corporate healing. Okay, so I'm one of seven, the oldest daughter. Um, seven out of seven went to college, my two brothers first, and then it was me, and I said, I want to go to nursing school. And my parents said, no, 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 you're going to go to college. That's, that's just a technical school. You're not going to go. And I knew, and I got to go. And when I got there, I knew why I was there. So I went to school in New York City. And so anyway, I went to nursing school, and I got my hands dirty, and I got my heart filled, and, and I, you know, loved it. Knew it was for me. And of course, I wanted to be, you know, the best, you know, nurse warrior. So I started working critical care. So, so ICU, ER, recovery room, these kind of places. And, and so there I was like a bull in a china shop, go and do and I'm the man, I'm going to help people. And then suddenly you're humbled and you realize you don't have all the tools that you really need to do this insane job taking care of critically ill people. Like, like you said yesterday, who've got a lot going on in their body, mind, 
that they're not going to be easily give it up to you. So, mm-hmm. so how are we going to learn how to have relationships with patients where they feel safe enough right. to share that with the provider? Not just, yes, my temperature's fine, but hey, I, you know, I'm crying for eight hours a day. Can yeah. you give me a, a handle? So, so that being said, I think, I think we have to be sensitive and forgiving to what, to what came before and how insanely wonderful it is what's even happening now. In nursing school back then, you learned the skeletal system, the circulatory system, the pulmonary system, as if we're like little robots with these different pieces. And, and then, uh, so how do you think outside that box? And so, the, because the conventional approach was to fix and to cure those little pieces. It wasn't, you know, to share your experience with them so that everybody would get something out of it. So, so, years, so that's what I did. I started to say, I don't have the right tools. And that got me to the American Holistic Nursing Association. Now, I'm kind of a free spirit, so I never belonged to anything in my life. And so it was really odd that I, want, I joined and I went to meetings and, and I was really turned on. Actually became national board certified at a certain point. But there I learned how, what, the, what the real tools could be. So what can I tell you? I, I'm a Reiki master. I do healing touch. I do therapeutic touch. I do shiatsu massage, which is acupressure, um, and so on and so forth. So I got all these I can do stuff, hypnotherapy, you know, neurolinguistic, I heard you mention the other day, or on that pot. So I got all these tools because that's the way I was taught, that mm-hmm. if you... If you had the tools for the system, you could fix the car. So now I have all these tools, and I'm a little disenchanted because I'm I, I'm not getting it yet. Yeah, but what what led you to actually wanting to get certified in all of these tools? Okay, so now let's go to an ICU unit in the in the eighties. So the patients are intubated on a respirator, they've got central lines, they've got this, they're flat on their back, they're semi in and out between muscle relaxants and and sedation. And one day I just went, how do I touch this person? You know, not only physically touch them, because you didn't, you were were like a monkey doing all these little jobs. And one day I had this epiphany because a man's feet were hanging out of the bottom of the sheets and I said, the feet. And I, that's when I went to school for reflexology. Interesting. Exactly. And I'll tell you what's even more fun is that I got, so I had to pull the curtain closed so mm-hmm. the other nurses didn't see me rubbing people's feet when there were alarms going off. But I chose to believe that it was just as important what I was doing with what they were doing. And so by the time I left that critical care unit, we had one of those colorful plastic-coated reflexology maps posted because the other nurses would say, come in here and help me get these guys' bowels moving or something. I said, I will show you the space where you can do it. And so once, you know, once it happens, once you, once you open up a little bit, if you're lucky, you start to open up a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was opened up a lot. And I said, wow, that's really cool. And so that's how I started using my tools was to integrate them in the care I was giving to patients. Mm. Wow, that is so amazing. I would love the audience to learn a little bit more about how the wisdom within the patient actually helps treat them. 
not so much okay let's look at all these textbook uh nomenclature let's look at what's on the paper like how do we actually listen to the intuition the the intuitive knowing that we all have deep down inside Okay, great. So uh, when I had an integrative, I was director of an integrative medicine um, department in a hospital in New York. And so when we're setting out all of our new tools, so all the doctors pressured me and they said, we have to have some sort of a paperwork or intake where you know you get all the information. And I was like, okay. So I started making little boxes and questions and it was called the individual health profile. And in the beginning, patients would come in for their one hour, you know, to say, here's, you know, I need help and whatever. And wait, which hospital was this at? Well, the hospital is no longer... Oh, this is the same function. incident? No, this is um, United Hospital oh, okay. in Portchester, New York. Okay. And so, so I, I did that and it wasn't gratifying. And I had an acupuncturist and I had all these wonderful therapists in the suite with me. Um, but I didn't feel like... We were as high as we could be on the scale of doing it right. And so one day someone came in and they started telling their story because everybody has a story. And sick people have a story and people don't want to hear it for their own fear mm. or, or it gets them uncomfortable. They don't know what to say. So it's an unheard story. And this woman came in and she starts talking and talking. And I put my pencil down on that piece of paper and when she finished, I said, how can I help you? What are you thinking? Why, so, why are you here? Instead of actually going through the list of questions that yeah, you developed, yeah. you just said, you know what? Let me hear what, what you yeah. have to say. You came here. I want to know why and what you're thinking. And what were the questions that were on the sheet? Like, oh, uh, what's like, the weight, your gender, like all that. Absolutely. Like what medications you're on. Yeah. yeah. So you just completely took that, put it on, yeah. threw it in the trash, yeah, and you're just like, what's going on? Yeah, well, because we all, that's, we can all know that. Right. But, but knowing isn't wisdom. Right. So, and usually when I'm at the doctor, they will get all that, the vitals, um, medications, blah, yeah. blah, everything I'm on, my supplements. And um, they'll ask me why I'm there, but they actually won't even look at me. They're just on their computer the yeah, whole time. Yeah, well, things have even changed yeah. from 20 years ago when I'm telling about this individual health profile where I said, no, I'm... And and um, I was sitting at my desk as the director, you know, so that pseudo power, and, and all my books are up behind me. And as soon as I was quiet, I put the pencil down. The healing started for me. I could hear my books talking to me, telling me, don't worry, she's in the right place. Just just listen to her story and you'll know. Mm -hmm. And in the end, when she was finished and she stopped and we knew it was a stop, I said, how can I help you? Why did you come here? What, what can we do? And she goes, from all her crying and her um, uh, weakness, she went, I guess I would really like to try acupuncture. Bam. And there it was. So at this time, was this the ICU? No, this was a beautiful integrative medicine okay. center with a, with a full-time medical acupuncturist, Chinese acupuncturist, massage therapist, okay. Reiki practitioners. Yeah. Okay, wow. And um, if you want to share with the audience, you actually developed all of these centers within well, each hospital yes, system. Well, yes, that became my consulting gig 
was uh, because a lot of hospitals realized their tube bag wasn't full. Mm -hmm. and, and an easy one is to either look at cardiology, where now they're looking at diet, now they're looking at exercise, but they're medical people. They're not going to sit there and talk about lifestyle. Right. And then you go to oncology, where, where people didn't buy the ticket to get in. They got thrown into oncology. Right. Okay. And, and now they're so nauseous, they, they're, they're questioning the chemo. And so I used to say to doctors at the time, I can make you look good. If, if you send me, you know, the, somebody, a cardiologist, if you send me somebody and I can get them feeling good about themselves and, and a safe massage, body touch, um, a little bit of exercise, a little bit of spiritual healing, if we can get that person motivated, then I'm going to make you look good because that person's going to feel better. And you know what's interesting? Because when I was going through chemotherapy, my listeners know the whole entire story, um, I... I finished treatment and I felt the worst I ever felt in my whole entire life. And every single day felt like a week, every week felt like a month, every month felt like a year. It didn't seem like I was ever going to get better. And I like was so depressed. And I would tell my oncologist and my doctors how I was feeling and they said, it's in your head. And it wasn't until I actually started to listen to myself and use that inner guidance system to help heal me and it was working with integrative doctors mm -hmm. integrative dietitians um acupuncturists who else did i work with i worked with reiki practitioners and like the journey wasn't linear and i'm still healing i'm still going through it i did sound bath healing this morning i did yoga this morning um i've done reiki just even like last year and i'm five years out of chemo so these things work and that's why i have joanne here to to show or to let you all listen to the the facts like the you, you can't knock it until you try it yeah. and right. if you're actually listening to this right now and you're still listening to this podcast know that this is maybe meant for you like maybe you should tap into that inner knowing like what when you hear what Joanne is talking about, what do you feel like is coming to you? Do you feel like maybe you should try acupuncture, you should try Reiki, you should try reflexology? And whatever comes to you first, I I say go for that. Just yeah. just take take a your step first out. step. Yeah, take the step into that. And I want to hear a little bit more about like what patients were actually experiencing when you were working with them too. Um, okay, great, and and thank you. That was uh, we just built a little bridge for ourselves. That was that was excellent. Um, so, but it's difficult when you're at your most vulnerable. You're so sick and you're vulnerable, and someone's telling you, you know, you're gonna die. You we're, we're gonna get to bell, and you have to take this caustic this and everything. It's really hard to think. Oh, I'll go to a Reiki master. Right. So I get it. And over the years. Um, so back then, I felt my job, I knew the messaging to my soul was do the hard work, roll up your sleeves and go in and give it a fight. Get it where integrated so that somebody doesn't think they're choosing mm -hmm. between their doctor and an acupuncture doctor. They're choosing. That was my goal in life was to make sure that people, well, I just say we have a global economy. Nobody questions that. Why don't we have global medicine? Right. Why aren't we practicing Ayurvedic? Why aren't people doing tongue diagnosis mm -hmm. when you're in the ICU? I don't know. But I set out to, to just put my toe in the sand and just start crawling to try to see 
what we could integrate. Um, so a, a couple of stories, yeah. Um, so one story is I was working in my office and I got a call from a big head nurse supervisor over in the hospital side. And she said, we have a woman who's, who's uh, basically dying in ICU and she has two grown daughters and they're freaking out and they're insisting we feed her and they're insisting and we don't really quite know how to handle this anymore. And I said, okay. I get off the phone. I thought, well, what do I know what to say to these people? And over the two ladies came and oh, they sat in the chair and they cried and they wanted their mom to eat and if she could only eat and if the hospital could only get food in there. And I was sitting and I listened to their story and when they got to the end, I took a breath and I said, you love your mom, you want nourish, nourishment for your mom. And their heads were banging, you know, oh yeah, that's right. And I said, okay, right now, her need isn't physical nourishment, is it? I said, her need is spiritual, emotional nourishment. So how can I help you get that for your mom? Okay. Well, the, it, you know, they left, they were grateful, and then two days later I get the nurse in my office going, oh my God, what did you say to them? Yeah. We all worked together. They saw that this, they couldn't get through to these women who were suffering, watching their mother suffer. So how wonderful that we had an integrative medicine center where they could pass the ball, mm. and I passed it back. Mm -hmm. And what was the outcome of that? Did, did she start to become healthier once spirituality no, no, was introduced she, you know death is part of living right and and um it, it's it's the tough nut for all of us but i was in the field of death and dying right. in icu i was this young energetic get-go girl but but again i knew i was there and it's a very holy place oh my god these souls are raw you right. know it's a very holy place working in in critical care working mm -hmm. in the er mm -hmm. people are just nobody goes there for balloons and coffee you know what i mean so so i was felt started to feel more and more comfortable mm. in that high horrible energy place right so i guess the spirituality was helping tr make that transition from life to the afterworld a mm. lot seamless yeah and more peaceful yeah um, another one quick, um, I had a young woman who came in on a Friday night, I was working uh, upstairs in the ICU, and they brought her up and she had uh, acute respiratory syndrome. She was in a room with two guys smoking cigars and her whole system shut down, young woman in her 20s. And they, we knocked her out, we put her on a, a respirator over the weekend, so I had her all day Saturday for 12 hours, and I rubbed her feet every two times a day, let's say. I go in there and I just close the curtain and I talk to her. Now, she's supposedly unconscious, whatever. I'm was she in an induced coma? Well, yeah. That, what we do when people go on a respirator is typically you give them muscle relaxants and then you give okay. them enough sedatives so they're not fighting. Right. You know, so who knows where she was? Uh, nobody tells you except this gal did. So Saturday I was there 12 hours. Sunday I was there 12 hours. And uh, Monday I was off. I came back Tuesday and I said, oh, what happened to so-and-so in that bed? And they said, oh, she's downstairs. We discharged her yesterday to a regular floor. So at lunchtime I went to see her and I walked in the room and I said, hey, I'm Joanne, I'm one of the nurses. And she starts to emote. And she said, I would recognize your voice anywhere. Wow. Thank you. I just got the chills. Because <laughs> that's 
the fun when you get to uh, the truth of life. Yeah. The truth of life, my intention that day with this young woman wasn't to suction her the most or, you know, mm -hmm. clean her feet up the most. It was to connect with her and let her know that I was there. Right. And I feel like the reason why people survive today as well is because they have connection, they have community, they have that knowing that there's another soul that's helping theirs yeah. live. And I feel like the whole reason why I'm on this journey of, you know, podcasting, writing my book and doing everything I'm doing is because I didn't really have that when I was going through, you know, cancer and it was a really rough time. And the fact that now I'm connecting with other people and other people are listening to this podcast and they know that there's a community out there and this is what is helping them actually right. have right. faith and, and courage to live. Now, as we take a step from learning about all these stories of you actually helping these patients, let's dive a little bit more into the integrative consciousness of self-love and how you can actually develop a love for self. And another thing too, how love helps heal. Love helps heal. So I believe that this is at every age. You know, the... the um, so self-love is developed from the from your childhood, and so some people, you know, get there faster than others. There's convoluted ways to get there, but but um, it involves physical, mental, and emotional components for self-love. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think everyone, everyone's big. I think many people, many many people, are looking for. Uh, harmony, balance, peace, right. the truth. Uh, you, you know, we can go from the from the most um, aerial to the most dense, and say pe people are looking. We're unhealthy. We're mentally, physically, and spiritually unhealthy. Right. And just to intervene here, especially, I feel like in New York City, I feel like it's a huge rat race, and I, I. I find that there's a very small community of individuals who actually practice self-love and self-healing. And I feel like I'm new to this because I had a therapist tell me, you don't love yourself. And I was like, what do you mean I don't love myself? She's like, after this session, when you go to bed tonight, look in the mirror and tell yourself, I love you in your eyes. And it was that moment that I realized, oh my gosh, a lot of my healing actually needs to start with yes. self-love because yes. I thought I loved myself, but me actually practicing love made me realize that maybe I don't, maybe I need to integrate more love into my life. And I swear, as soon as I started to look at myself in the mirror every day, say I love you out loud, and then start to practice different affirmations while doing that, repeat them in my head every single day, which I have a podcast episode on this. I'll have to link it down below. That's when the real health started. Yeah. Well, that, that's when the real healing started. And that was just like six months ago, not even. It was so yeah. recent. But, and I feel such a weight lifted off my shoulders. Yes, I feel like very light. Right. So again, back to uh, we... We saw, we, back then, back 35 years ago, we said we should integrate because people are not well. And, and well meaning all, all of that. Um, uh, so w when I ran these integrative medicine centers um, and said to doctors, we're here to help. Um, what we got, they did the 
physical part or the mental part. But so what basically they passed the ball was in this part. How do you connect with your inner soul if it if you didn't even know you had one? Right. How do you connect with your heart chakra if you didn't know you had one? And for the disbelievers of the chakras, could you actually explain what the heart chakra is? Well, sure. We have seven chakras. They they're they're what. Um, transduces the outside energy of the universe into our inside energy. Mm -hmm. And so if those transducers get, you know, muddy or clogged or something, your flow, your integration with the universe, which, again, your question about why so many people in New York don't feel well, because they don't hug a tree. They don't... Yeah, we're in a concrete jungle. And we're just work, 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 24-7, on the subway, commuting, running here, running there. And it's a rat race. It's a rat race. It's a rat race. And and we didn't coin that phrase because my dad used to say it was a rat race. And he's long gone at 100 years old. So so the point is that um, right now it's about consciousness. Since people are the walking wounded, the walking unwell, there is this energy, especially in populated urban areas, where, you know, I'm not, you know, what's going on? How do I feel? I don't know what to do. I don't have any time to go right. yoga. I don't have any this. I don't have any that. Yeah, I tell my father this all the time. He's like, oh, I don't have time to go yeah. take care of myself. I was like, okay, the less time you take care of yourself, the less time you're going to have here on earth. Yeah. Or, <laughs> so you need to go take care of yourself. Or quality time. Right. You, you know, that was a difficult concept for me to help people understand oh you know i don't care you know only the good die young and no this is not funny yeah, this this is um what is it's like more so like generational trauma in a way right like oh like these um it's called capitalism <laughs> frankly where meaning we all have quotients and things we have to achieve and mm-hmm. and and it's not our harmonic balance place mm-hmm. So, so we aren't the first humans on the planet. So, so I always say we're spiritual beings having a human existence. And so, so before that, hunters and gatherers had all day to do it. They chatted, they ate. I mean, it sounds silly, but it's not silly. And unless, um, um, unless a, the majority of us, let's stay with this country, um, start to recognize that being overweight isn't a joke, getting diabetes isn't a joke, your child getting diabetes because they are overweight isn't a joke. This, this is a burden of our society. Do you think it has to do with self-love? Uh, well, well, not all of them. I mean, there's a lot of genetic components that have to do with it. Like maybe, maybe not loving yourself can affect the way that your genes turn on and turn off you're you're preaching to the choir yes but (laughs) epigenetics everyone yeah epigenetics exactly (laughs) but i always say to people you know here's here's your prescription in fact i even had prescriptions pad pads made just look just like prescription pads for my practitioners because that had power you know i kept on trying to find where's the power to help people right so if I gave them, you know, meditate once a day and do power two yoga classes two times a week, I'll see you next week, that would be a tough way for them to start. But you have to help people get out of the rat race. You have to have people love themselves enough 
in the rat race right. to find a way out. And how would you suggest people to tap into self-love? I would say start with the simple. Start with nourishing yourself. Think about, you know, are you nourishing yourself good stuff? Are, you know, are you buying those strawberries? Oh, they're a little expensive. I'll just get ice cream. So, so baby steps. Right. And physically, uh, I used to tell my patients, when you get up in the morning, you know, take a shower, get yourself dressed. But before you get in the car, go stand outside. Mm -hmm. Five minutes. It's not meditation. Just stand outside. And so I think the best thing we can do is help people understand that the starting place is very small. small. Yeah, it's very small. And like you said before, what turns on one person, they may say, you know, I'm going to get a pedometer and start walking. And I'm like, great. Right. Awesome. Somebody else says, well, you know, I'm going to go on. A... Yeah. So like do what may do what you're called to. Exactly. Because your inner voice mm -hmm. is what you're not hearing when you're in the loud rat race. And what if your inner voice is telling you to do everything? Where do you start? Well, th then that's what it's telling you to do for a reason. Because you probably do everything in every other part of your life, too. Mm. And so that's not the rat race that's beating you up. It's yourself. Mm. And so, you know, now they're saying that so many young people in this country are, are depressed. And, 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 you know, I'm sure there's a lot of physical ailments that go with that, you know, yeah. thing. And the social media and everything. I don't know. I have grandsons. I question, how do I help? But I can't make a judgment. That's another thing we didn't talk about. When you um, are, I, patients don't want to be judged. They don't want to feel judged. Right. And, and so that's another important piece to unlock those doors. And that happens in a relationship, a safe relationship. Mm. A true relationship. So for the healthcare practitioners listening, learn how to build trust and be patient with your <laughs> yeah. Well, if you want an optimum outcome, which I believe every healthcare provider does want, then we have to heal the healers. Mm -hmm. And so if doctors don't have time, you know, uh, and, and don't understand yet, um, that's their own journey. So, right. so, you know, we have to be forgiving and non-judgmental. But I can tell you from personal experience we're in a lot better place right now. Yeah. Because even back then, whoever thought that acupuncture would be paid for by managed care, the whole self-pay component of what we're talking about, you know, and yes, self-love is a wonderful goal, but to get there, you have to make those decisions in between. Mm -hmm. That was great insight. I want to transition a little bit more into corporate America because especially living in the city, living in the rat race, there are things that we're lacking. And you mentioned when we were speaking outside, when we first met, that it was spirituality. So how can people start to tap into their spiritual side, even though they're running, running, Corpor running? Corporate 14 hours a day. Yeah. yeah. Well, I had the great opportunity to take a job in Manhattan at, um, at a wonderful, huge corporation. And my friends are like, what are you doing? You, we thought you retired. And I said, oh, I went into this building and it was just filled with diverse, smart, young people doing, you know, financial, technical things. But for me, it, it, it reignited my desire 
not to be the intensive care super nurse, but to be a healer in a place that felt like it needed a lot of healing. And so people, the young people up floors, floors, floors above me would come down to the health center and they would be depleted. They would be the walking wounded where you'd say, oh, they'd say, oh, I have a sore throat. Oh, come on in, we'll do a, a strep but test. that sore throat is probably something else manifesting. As soon as you do the strep test and you turn around and say, but, but what's going on? You know, floodgates open. I'm under so much pressure. I don't know what to do. And what was great is that I was in a place where I could work with HR and say, you know, if you want to keep these brilliant people at their desks producing all day, you have to understand that you have to feed this other part of them. Right. Not give them free food in the morning, free coffee, free breakfast, and not this and not that. Not the diet, but the nourishment. The nourishment, exactly. And so they, they installed a headspace on the computers mm -hmm. so that everybody had the opportunity. And then, and then we went out and, and you know, helped people understand there was a resource available. But again, um, you know, for some people that can work and for others it didn't. We had a therapist, a psychotherapist in our unit, and he, all day long he, he just worked with these young high-end worker bees, achievers, good eggs, who were just burnt out because it wasn't fulfilling. Your spiritual soul is what gets you out of bed every day. Mm -hmm. and, and so I don't expect that corporations are going to become enlightened and, and be start doing you know, Reiki healings <laughs> in, in the hallways. But, but I hope that individuals, as we morph into this online, more hours society, as we, we're less community, we have no community. In, in, the, in that huge office building, everybody was working on teams, so to speak, but there wasn't community like a church community or a town community. And so I hope that, that because we have a lot more of these resources for people to, um, to, t to invest in, um, I hope that just reminding people that when you're stressed out, there is another way out and it's not exploding. I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. And once, but who has time for it? Is our, is our biggest enemy right now. Mm -hmm. um, and so years ago, your spiritual was fed because we had communities of religion mm -hmm. and we had other ways to feed your soul and not so much anymore. Um, thank you for sharing all that insight with the audience and me. I wanted to ask one last question and it's what makes you feel powerful every single day? What makes me feel powerful is an inner knowing that, that this is all, there's a purpose to all this, and just simply that I'm part of the purpose. Hello, everyone. I'm so grateful that you stayed all the way until the end. If you enjoyed this episode, I would greatly appreciate it if you gave it a five-star review and leave a beautiful comment. I'll see you next week.